Good morning, Collective Church family, and happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there. We want you to know how much we value the contribution that you make to the community, your love, your strength, and your servant-heartedness. And we hope that you have a really, really wonderful Father's Day. In keeping with the theme of Father's Day, I'm going to be speaking about the nature of the Father this morning. Uh, we've spent quite a lot of time in the past weeks looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit and walking in friendship with him. We've been able to meditate on the extravagant gospel of Jesus, um, our King, our Savior, and our friend. And so this morning, we're going to spend some time meditating and reflecting on the nature of the Father. I absolutely love the word nature. It means the intrinsic, undisputable quality of something, its very essence, the inherent, basic, essential features or characteristics of something. And of course, the nature of our Father is good, good, good. He, uh, James 1 says, He is the Father of all light. There is no shadow of turning in him. There is no darkness in him. He is faithful when we are faithless. He is trustworthy through and through. He is love and joy and peace. And we want to find our whole lives are rooted in the very nature of the Father. A revelation of the nature of God involves the unveiling of God himself. It's not merely um, acquiring facts about him, but it's about fellowship it's about communion and relationship with him as he reveals to us who he is. He wants to reveal to you who he is in your life and in your story. Friends, everything in the kingdom is relational. Ralph has been saying this over and over in the past couple of weeks. It is not so much about the how of how we do church but it's about the who. It's about putting God, it's about putting Jesus at the very center of everything that we do in every area of our life. That's because the kingdom is primarily relational. If you think about the world, um, the world works on a functional mindset. The primary purpose is task-orientated, right? Purpose-driven towards a job, a vision, or a goal being completed. And we very quickly pick, pick up the culture of the world and bring it into the kingdom or into the church. In the kingdom, relationship is the key part of everything we do. Relationship with God and relationship with each other. And I believe that understanding of what the kingdom looks like is something the Holy Spirit is restoring to us in this season. So let him brood in your heart and give you some fresh understanding about how everything in the kingdom is relational. Now in the Old Testament, the fatherhood of God um, is present, but it never becomes the central point of Israel's thinking about God. But when Jesus arrives on the scene, he reveals God as our Father. His loving Father becomes our loving Heavenly Father. The word Father is actually mentioned in John's Gospel alone more than a hundred times. I want to go to Matthew 3 verse 13 quickly. And look at the Father's words being spoken 
audibly over Jesus as he's baptized, because I believe that that is what the Lord wants to speak over us this morning. Then Jesus left Galilee to come to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But when he waded into the water, John resisted him, saying, Why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, and yet you come to be baptized by me. Jesus replied, It is only right to do all that God requires. And then John baptized Jesus. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him, and he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. And then suddenly the voice of the Father shouts from the sky, saying, This is the Son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. What a powerful moment as in the person of Jesus, the heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit comes and rests and resides. What a beautiful picture, a promise of what would happen at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come down and not leave, but reside, dwell and make a home within each believer. Isn't it the most beautiful picture? And heaven opens up literally over our lives as we carry the person of the Holy Spirit. And here we hear the Father's declaration over his Son, you are the one I love and my delight is in you. Friends, the gift of our salvation is that because of Jesus, because of his death, his burial and his resurrection, and because we were co-crucified, we died with him and we were resurrected with him, in him, we have been included in this relationship, in the fellowship of the Trinity. And those are the words that the Father is speaking over you this morning. My son, my daughter, I love you and my delight, my favor, my blessing, my zeal, my goodness is over you. That is the wonder of the gift of salvation. I'm going to read from Romans 8. Now, Romans 8 is absolutely one of my favorite, favorite sections of Scripture because it outlines so clearly the, the, the truth of the gospel of salvation, our co, 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 death, burial, and resurrection. And it finishes off here with unpacking what it means to be sons and daughters of the Father. Romans 8 verse 15, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. No, you have received the spirit of full acceptance, the spirit of complete sonship, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, my beloved father. The word here is Abba, my daddy. What a personal connection to the God of the universe that sits enthroned above all the, cre the, the creator of all and yet the uncreated one. He is our father. We call him daddy, our beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, deep calling to deep, you, me, are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, 
we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. That is one of my very best definitions of the kingdom of God. We receive through Christ all that he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all that he has. And it totally changed our destiny. Uh, we were born again, a brand new creation through the blood of Jesus to be sons and daughters of God. Friends, it is wonderful. It is awe-inspiring. And so I encourage you today to just sit in the wonderful, extravagant good news uh, that Romans 8 unpacks for us. In John 14, Jesus describes this beautiful fellowship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you, I went and spent time in the Amplified Bible and just read John 14. It is deeply encouraging. And maybe even in our home church gatherings next week, we'll spend a little bit of time meditating on John 14. But it unpacks this beautiful fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how the Father and Jesus live as one. And because we are in Jesus, we live in that beautiful fellowship of Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. We have become part of their relationship, part of their family, part of the conversation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What a, what a divine inheritance. What an honor to be able to know his heart. Corinthians says how the Holy Spirit leads us into the very depths of who God really is, what is really on his heart, all about his ways and who he is. What a divine inheritance. The beauty of the fellowship of Father, Son, and Spirit is what we all long for. Friends, the world is longing for that fellowship. It spends and, and often spends a lifetime seeking and so rarely experiencing that which we have come to know. Who would not want to be so deeply loved and known and accepted as Jesus is by the Father, as we are by the Father? In Luke 15, we see Jesus unpack so powerfully the nature of the Father. I'm just going to give you a brief understanding of that parable as written by um, Tim Keller. On the surface... The story in Luke 15, which is called the story of the prodigal son, um, but another name could be the story of the extravagant father. And um, on the surface, it is a story about the father who had two sons. The younger one asks for his share of the inheritance. He receives it and he promptly leaves for a far country where he wastes it on sensual and frivolous pleasure. And then he returns home. And to his surprise, he is received with open arms, with the embrace uh, of his father running towards him. And this reception is angers and, and alienates the elder brother. And the story closes with the father appealing to his firstborn son to join in the celebration of the return of the younger brother. Very powerful story. Um, in the younger brother and in the um, older brother, we can see our own heart positioning towards the father. And maybe we can unpack that at a later stage. It's very powerful because each one takes a different heart positioning to the extravagant father. But Tim Keller says here, on the surface of it, the narrative is not 
um, all that gripping. I believe, however, that if the teaching of Jesus is likened to a lake, this famous parable of the prodigal son would be one of the clearest spots where we can see all the way to the bottom. Why? Because we see the nature of the Father in Jesus himself. Um, Corinthians 2, 5 verse 19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not holding our sins against us. And that is the picture that we see in this beautiful story in Luke 15. In this story, the father represents the heavenly father that Jesus knew so well. Jesus is showing us the God of grace and lavish extravagance who is recklessly loving and full of grace towards his children. His grace and his beyond comprehension love is our greatest hope and our life-changing experience because we are embraced by the Father through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And as we feel that embrace, it's not just an intellectual embrace. When we read the scriptures and we understand the truth, the revelatory knowledge becomes the experience of the Father himself, his unconditional love and kindness and endless grace towards us. And that embrace becomes something that we can taste and see in every aspect of our lives. Friends, the fellowship or the connection between heaven and earth, between us and the Father, is the same as it was for Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit that knits us into the relationship and the very life of Christ, drawing us into their fellowship and their conversation. And Jesus worked out his relationship with the Father into every aspect of his life and ministry. I often think of him as he faced the 5,000 and like, Father, what do you want to do in this moment? Um, when he faced sickness, when he faced criticism, when he faced opposition, the reality of the Father was so much greater. It trumped whatever circumstance he was facing. A little bit similar to David, this young boy that takes five stones when he faces Goliath. It's the reality of the awesomeness of God that totally dominates uh, his imagination, his realities, that when he faces the giant, he looks so small in comparison to the reality of our heavenly father. And that, friends, is our inheritance to live in that way where the reality of our heavenly father, the reality of who Jesus is, is so much greater than anything that we face. And so for Jesus, fellowship was the, with the father was the very life of the son, he said, the son can do nothing apart from the father. It is the father living in me who is doing the work. I only do what I see the father doing. What a beautiful inheritance of sons and daughters that our lives could reflect the very essence, nature, and way of the father as he's revealed to us by the spirit of Jesus. This dynamic fellowship, this intimacy of relationship is connected by the Holy Spirit and the reality is it is our glorious inheritance. Friends, the Father wants to be known in your story. I said this earlier, and it's so important that as I share these truths from the Word, um, that you don't just receive them as a head knowledge, because 
the, the father wants to work in his very nature into every part of your life. I remember in the times um, in the past years that we've really had financial pressure um, because our business went through difficult times and, and so on. I, I remember knowing, facing this truth that I know that God is my provider, that I can trust the Father, that no matter what I'm facing, that He is good and true and He has promised to look after me and to provide for me. And yet in those moments, I would feel a lot of anxiety and stress and worry about what we were facing and, and the reality of the situation. And the Holy Spirit began to teach me that He wanted to take up space in my heart, like the real estate of my, in my heart, with the reality of who the Father is so that I wouldn't always have to run to anxiety. I wouldn't have to run to fear and stress and worry and this great pattern that I tend to jump into of striving to fix it myself. Instead, the Holy Spirit would teach me to dwell on the truth of the nature of the Father. He is my kind daddy. Through the grace of his nature, I receive full provision. He looks after me. He takes care of me. He is faithful and true. And that grew a confidence in me where I would be able to run into that truth, into who he is, instead of the old patterns of thinking that the Holy Spirit was showing me. There is no life in that. And so I want to tell you that no matter what you are facing, the Father wants you to know his nature. He wants you to know who he is in whatever it is that you're facing, in the very middle of your story, just like Jesus, that the reality of who he is, um, who Jesus is, would trump anything and everything that you are facing at the moment. Friends, everything the Father does in our lives is for the primary purpose of building relationship with us building relationship and the process is this beautiful journey that we get to enjoy that we get to love with the person of the holy spirit remember that the word for this season as a community is abide and we and we've looked at that in a, in a couple of occasions where we've lingered on the definition of what it means to abide in christ but as we abide in jesus in our life union with him as we walk this pilgrim journey with the Holy Spirit, we become sensitive to his heart. We become sensitive to what is on the heart of the Father. And as we abide, we grow in confidence as sons and daughters. Honestly, there's no other way to get courage and confidence but to abide in Jesus, in the Father, by the Holy Spirit. Because then we're not trying to hype up our faith by telling us, ourselves what we should know about the Father, but from that place of who he is and being absolutely grafted into him, we become our true selves, our sons and daughters' selves, and we can walk in that confidence. You see, we are all in Christ, but we are learning in friendship with the Holy Spirit to be Christ-like, and we get to love the learning process. It is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the empowering presence of God, that walks with us as we mature into the fullness of Christ in us. Friends, confidence comes from rooting our hearts, our minds, our whole body, our, every part of our lives in God. We know who, what God is like. We know he is always faithful, that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, 
that he provides for us, that he never changes. And that truth, his very nature, keeps us moving, keeps us thriving, keeps us alive when every circumstance around us says the opposite. It is being rooted in who he is, abiding in who he is, that gives us the confidence to keep going, the glory, the goodness, and the grace to thrive no matter what. You are my beloved son or daughter. My delight is in you, is the heart of the Father towards you. You are my Father. You are always faithful, always trustworthy, always good. I don't know what's happening around me, but I know you're doing something. And so I can rest. I can live in peace because I know you. That is my thoughts about the Father. That is my thoughts about God. And those two things are the most important things about us. Knowing, revelatory, experiential knowledge of who he is and knowing who he is to us, what I think about him and what he thinks about me. Friends, we've got to learn to replenish ourselves in the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit works with us as we are, not in our good moments only, not just in our church moments, not just in the moments where we're flying. He works in every part of our lives, in the weakest, worst, most difficult moments in our inner man, because he knows that we will experience a life beyond our wildest imaginings when we see the Father's face and when we see his heart. So he works with us. He walks with us so that we can grow in intimacy with the Father, that we can become more and more like the firstborn son, like Jesus. So, as I said, confidence is God with us, abiding in him through the empowering presence of Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit. I want to speak briefly about Caleb and Joshua, who faced the promised land in uh, Numbers. And there's a whole bunch of spies that go into the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb explore the territory that God has promised. And they bring back courage, confidence, and faith, where the others bring back a bad, cynical, realistic report. As they look at what God has promised, as they look at the future, they become stakeholders in the future. They become invested in the future. Why? Because they say this, God is with us. And if he is with us, nothing can be bigger than what he is with us as we walk into the promises, as we walk into the future, the land that he has promised. Isn't that so powerful? Because God is with us, the view of the future changes completely. We can be confident, we can be full of courage and faith because he is with us. That is why we can face everything ahead with that victory song. He is with us. Are there going to be impossibilities ahead? Definitely. Are there going to be giants of intimidation ahead? Definitely. Are there going to be hard times? Without doubt, it's guaranteed. But God is with us, and that completely changes the way that we approach the future. Let's look at the future in the light 
of God's nature, of who he is, what he has done for us through the person of Jesus and who that makes us to be. The fact that he is with us, that we are no longer orphans, but we are included in his family and he has left his spirit with us, changes everything. I want to quickly give you a beautiful story from The Lion King, this wonderful picture, um, and just share how this picture really encourages our heart. And I believe it's something that the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to restore to us a confidence and a courage and a faith, a trust as sons and daughters, childlike trust in our Father. So let's talk briefly about the story of the Lion King, and I hope it resonates with you. Um, you know, it's about Simba. He is Mufasa's son. He's rightful heir to the king. And um, Mufasa is killed by his brother Scar. And Scar, who is a picture of the accuser, accuses Simba. He blames Simba. He says, it's your fault that your father is dead. And Simba is racked with guilt and he runs away from his destiny. He runs away from his inheritance. He is chased away by the accuser's voice, by condemnation and shame and guilt. And the voice that says, you are not enough. You are not there yet. It is your fault. You are pitiful. That voice makes Simba run from his true inheritance. And he runs to the land of Akuna Matata, which means no worries. Friends, that is a tempting place for all of us to run. When we face challenge in life, we're just like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to face the impossibilities, the giants, the hardship. I'm going to run to the land of no worries where we pretend that we don't care about anything or anyone. And it can look a lot of different ways. It's escapism. It's, it's escaping because we don't want to land in the rest of the father. We want to run away from our true identity. And so he goes to this land, Akuna Matata, and he begins to waste away. And Nyla, who is uh, the female lion, his friend, finds him there and, he, and says to, to he, she sees in this orphan, she sees the king. And even though we sometimes may act like orphans and want to run and want to run to the land of Akuna Matata, um, inside of each one of us, the truth is, is that we are sons and daughters and we are rightful heirs to the king. And then we have this picture uh, within the Lion King context of Rafiki as something like the Holy Spirit, where he leads Simba back to the waters of reflection. He says, look in the water, remember who you are. And Simba looks down into this, this lake and he says, all I see is my stupid reflection. All I see is this in the natural. And Rafiki says, look deeper, look deeper, until he sees within him his father. And he realizes, I am the true son. Isn't that the most beautiful picture, the most beautiful analogy of what we're speaking about this morning? I trust that this morning's message has allowed you to come back to the pool of reflection, which is the word, and to look at yourself and, and that you don't just see your stupid reflection, but you see the glorious Father, that you see him in you, who he's made you to be, that through the blood of Jesus, he didn't leave you alone in brokenness. He brought you to himself and he's put his spirit inside of you and created you to be a rightful son or daughter. Friends, I'm going to end by reading Zephaniah 3 verse 17 over us as a community. 
I want you to know that no matter what we face, that our Father, uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they are the greatest picnic makers. They are the ones that set a feast of God's faithfulness, his kindness, his goodness, his joy, his faithfulness in the middle of anything that we're facing, anything, the war that we're facing, the chaos that we're facing, the heaviness, the intimidation, whatever situation, they are the picnic makers that set a feasting table of them, of themselves, of the nature of God right in the middle of anything that we're going through. And so I want to declare this, these beautiful words over you. This is the reality of what is happening, no matter how you feel or how the week has been, even in the middle of this third wave of corona here in Johannesburg, this is the truth truth of what is happening over your life. Zephaniah 3 verse 17, the Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a savior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He, he will rest in silent satisfaction and in his love he will be silent and make no mention of the past sins or recall them. He will exult over you with singing. I want to remind you this morning that your Savior is with you, that the Father is rejoicing and dancing over you, just like that father in the prodigal, the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, singing over you, rejoicing over you. His delight is in you, and he is good. I love you. Have a beautiful Father's Day, and we look forward to getting together in person again soon.